0: I have made a decision on my mechanical keyboard. Do you want, if you want to get it out of the way now, Tom. Uh, they're all mechanical. Unless you're tapping on an iPad. Unless
1: you're p- like pressing a digital one on a screen. They're all mechanical. I don't, un- I don't understand what
0: that means. It means... Anyway, I don't know. Come on, come on, come I don't know. They feel nice to type on. And that's all there is to it, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just a small one, so I don't have to move my hands as far. Prevent RSI, but increase the amount that they move up and down.
1: Is that like, not on, like two, not on the one I'm getting? on oh. the
0: one I'm getting, you can go a couple of millimeters and it, it re- registers your keystroke without having to press all the way down. Mm. So I'm getting a Filco Master Touch Ninja or something like that. <laughs> and I'm going to show you, I'll show you a picture of it, and it doesn't. It looks nothing like you would expect. Oh no, Filco Majest Touch two 10 keyless tactile action for those of you interested brown cherry MX keys it looks like what i had to run windows 3.1 in
1: on my first, yeah, but it does, first it does, computer it doesn't feel the same it looks quite cool and
0: it looks, it's quite
1: minimal no nah, i can understand i can understand the aesthetic i quite like to be honest i quite like the look of the old think pads i think they're quite they've got sort of certain coolness about them so you've ordered it but it's not arrived it should arrive on Monday. Ah, well, next episode we will uh, check
0: check in on hand feel. <laughs> so along with this new job and uh, my new keyboard, I've also got to get to grips with a new language. And it's one I wasn't even expecting The before I arrived. Uh, when I got there, the project I'm working on, they said, oh, we use C Sharp. And I'd, only, I'd have been learning C++ because I thought that's what I was meant to be doing. <laughs> But I think they're all fairly similar. The, the C-based languages, um, so C Sharp is more is you can only use it on Microsoft, and it's it's related to the .NET environment, which I don't know anything about at the moment, <laughs> and will hopefully for learning. So my question this week, Tom, is how do you learn a new programming language? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs>
1: what have you tried so far um so you're because as to give a bit more a bit wider context you spent you've spent some time learning c++ haven't you you've actually
0: had a bit of experience doing that now for the last few months yes i had to do it for the my interview so yeah. i kind of learned a bit for that and yeah. then a bit after as well so what was your
1: strategy for learning that one and then how much of that have you applied now that you've switched again
0: as it was for my interview i i just kind of went ah and just learned the bits I needed to be able to do the thing I was doing. I kind of wrote it in Python first and then transferred it over and kind of looked at the looked at how I would write it programmatically and then tried to just convert it to to C, which didn't always go to plan because there's a lot of things that Python does that is it is it statically typed? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> statically typed don't do because python's dynamic and you can change variables and you can change types all over the place which you can't do with things like c++ and c sharp so that was a bit of a learning curve for me
1: it sounds like that was a good strategy though to actually build something that you're familiar with and then literally translate it to then you see you you very easily then come across the edges and the bits that don't work and you're thrust straight into asking relevant questions and important, like finding out important differences straight away by having a real problem in your hands to
0: mess around with. Yeah, I guess that's true. But uh, on on the other hand, it also kind of led me astray a bit in that I. Um... I was trying to do things in a Pythonic way and I kind of, I probably kept trying for too long to do it in that way when there was a completely different way you were meant to do it in C Sharp. So for example, in Python, you can do a list of lists to make a 2D array. Whereas in C++, I had to do some sort of vector array thing, which was actually a completely, even though it sounds similar, that was kind of a completely different way of thinking about the problem and working with those. And yeah, and dealing with things like, or Point, well not pointers so much but just um, I values not being what you'd expect them to be at certain times. So I mean luckily with C++ there was there's a, there's a website called learncpp.com which goes really thoroughly through all the different things and yeah so I, I started working through that and one good thing about that was it kind of it gives you best practices, which I've not come across before much in tutorials, which I really liked because a lot of the time you kind of learn the syntax, you learn how it's meant to look, but you don't learn why am I doing this or what's the best way of doing this. So that, I found that really useful. Um, so that's www.learncpp.com. So if you're learning C C plus plus, I would suggest you do it from there because that seems like a, a really good free resource, and it takes you through like setting up your IDE and getting everything set up. So you just like follow it step by step. So on the topic of best practices, then how did you come across? How, how did
1: you find this website? Did you just Google it? Did someone recommend it? Where did it come from?
0: I think I probably googled how do you learn C plus plus or something along those lines, or. Or I think, actually, the, probably the way I was doing it was when I was learning about like looking at the differences between Python. That was one of the sites that came up in a Google search. And then I looked at one of those, and then I went, oh, this looks like quite a good website. Look at the front page, and then I was like, oh, this is actually a tutorial for the whole of C++, so I can just start at the top and kind of work my way down.
1: No, so this sounds nicely fortuitous, but actually it's probably a side effect of you having approached it in quite a sensible way to have, kind of have a problem that you're starting with and then try and look for specific answers rather than approaching it just generically and going oh i just need to learn the whole of the language you're actually looking for one specific thing that then leads you to a resource that you then establishes a level of trust because one thing that i want to highlight from this is the best practices is a double-edged sword because when you know them and you can find them it's great but not often particularly with different languages um and certainly, where in the front end where I live, there's all sorts of different competing best practices that so people might people might not necessarily agree with each other on what the best way to do something is. And um, but you won't actually that won't be clear when you're reading their tutorials or listening to them talking talking in an interview or in a, uh, in a video, um, because people tend to be quite didactic when they're explaining things and explain like the way that they do it as the one true way, um, and not necessarily acknowledge that. There may be two or three different competing paths, and that some have trade. Then there's trade-offs with all of them. Um, So it's easy, and that's that way. It's very easy to learn bad habits. Kind of takes you back to learning an instrument. It's very easy to watch a YouTube tutorial and get like really bad hand position when you're playing a stringed instrument, for instance. And then you you like once the muscle memory sets in, and you've you've learnt that bad technique, and you've made it work by sheer force of will. When you then are shown the proper way, that becomes that little
0: bit harder to do it properly yeah and you're bringing us right back to the first thing you said practice 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 but it's not practice 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 perfect practice makes perfect <laughs> not practice makes perfect perfect practice so you've got to practice the right thing yeah that's very very true um it's yeah it's not a, not something
1: that's explained enough i don't think i think people often like be- the benefits of practicing but that idea of make sure what you're practicing is useful is something i've been having drilled into me by you doing this (laughs) podcast you 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 keep coming back to that um and it's seems very wise i think
0: oh thank you i've never been thought of as wise but that idea is nice not necessarily Uh, the vessel that is conveying (laughs) the idea charming um okay so yeah so i've i've done this and now i'm in, now i'm at the problem where i've got to learn c sharp um there are obviously going to be similarities but i've not actually got anything i've not got a project that i'm doing in c sharp at the moment i'm just i'm not actually working on it yet um so i'm kind of i'm trying to prepare myself for when that does happen um so that that that's when i'm kind of at the point where i'm struggling to think how do i do this i've got i'm still i'm i have work to do at work it's not all just learning c sharp I'm at a point where I've got to juggle lots of different uh, languages in my head at the same time so that I I'm finding that is getting quite tricky like switching between languages.
1: That's something we've come back to time and time again that one of the most important skills in the you know tech career is learning how to like knowing how to learn as much as anything else. It's like balancing that idea of like going getting far enough to just have achieved a specific goal like make one like make a test pass or make this thing get the result you want and to hell with the big o complexity of it um, you sort that out later and then never get round to it um, that versus doing something the quote-unquote right way Um, And sometimes you can benefit a lot from going deep, like spending an extra few hours to go deep on finding the proper, correct, most efficient solution. And that then is learning that sets you up for for the the rest of your career. But sometimes that can be a rabbit hole that you never escape from and that you've just, it's a, a massive time sink and you're actually not being massively productive by researching that kind of stuff. The trick, the thing that you need to learn is to distinguish like as quickly as you can distinguish which of those paths you're on
0: yeah that's tricky and i i I think i get something similar when i'm coding as well i'm kind of i'll be coding away and i'm thinking it's probably a really simple way i should be doing this i've just spent three hours getting stuck on one bug after the other going like off on a tangent from where i'm actually meant to be going to and then hopefully i'll come back round to that eventually so yeah a lot a lot about staying on the right path (laughs) is uh useful um another thing i've that's tricky with say learning C sharp, that sort of thing is it's not like Python. You can't just sit down and just write something out and it works, which is generally how Python works. You just, you write uh, print hello world in a file and you run it and it, it does it. Whereas if you're trying to do that with, a compiled language, which is what C, C++, C Sharp is, that means they need to go through like another process and that outputs a file and then you run that file to get that process instead. So you've got to, you've got to write your file first, then you've got to run it through a compiler and you've got to learn how to do that. And then you've got to be able to print it onto the screen. So there's a there's a few more steps there into into that, these sorts of languages that that make it a bit tricky um, especially as a first language
1: yeah it ties into what we were talking about last week about tooling it's uh, another another level of things that you need to learn and it's hard to pick that up from complete scratch to go from knowing nothing about the language to knowing oh what do i even what do i even need to know let alone what areas do i need to learn about let alone the specifics of learning those things um, so i'm hoping my assumption is that because you're in an environment now where there are people who are um, you have peers and you have programmers that you work with are you able to and this is it's very early days of course but sometimes just having one person step in for just one second and to say oh no look in this direction or oh the reason that's not working is because of this Um,
0: are you getting any of that interaction yet um well i'm getting my code reviewed i I guess is that but not necessarily just someone walking past and doing it. Oh no, but I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking specifically about
1: you're doing C sharp for the first time. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, someone, yeah. Has someone said, you need to you need to
0: do um, you need this compiler or something. So the plan is I haven't done any C sharp yet, but when I do it, I'm going to pair program with someone when I first look at the project and work through it with that person.
1: And that's absolutely the best and
0: the most efficient way of doing it. Like the information
1: density that you get from pair programming with someone, that you pick things up so much quicker and it really, really, really helps the process. My best learning experience is the times when I've taken something the quickest, I've really got my head around the concepts the quickest is when I've been pair programming. Can't recommend that highly enough. That sounds like, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous.
0: Learning a whole new language head <laughs> sounds great fun. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, although what I... I so i haven't just i'm not just waiting so as i said i'm trying to prepare myself then one of the things i'm doing is going through the code academy course on c sharp. and that's not to learn the best practices or any of that stuff that's just so that i get familiar with the syntax so that when i sit down and look at it it's not completely foreign to me and i know what a class i know how you build a class and this is another thing that's quite different with these sorts of languages that you now have you have to like specify getters and setters where in python you don't always have to do that sort of thing so there's kind of uh, a few more layers that will probably be useful to know before I actually pair programming with someone so i'm not asking really basic questions but i can think about more of the code as a whole yeah so you're learning kind of how the bricks
1: individual bricks fit together and how you turn a corner and how you like put a lintel up over a window rather than going straight in and trying to learn architecture
0: you yeah, or maybe I'm just learning how one brick's built. Yeah. Built. yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, that sounds
1: good. Yeah. And, and you've used Code Academy before. You know that there are, that's a, an established thing. And so there's a level of trust there.
0: You can just yes. take that. But don't learn Python there because the Python is a Python 2 course. And if you want the Python 3 course, you have to pay, which is a bit annoying.
1: So are you, are you learning the C? sharp equivalent of python 2 then is it? No, I don't
0: think C sharp works in the same way <laughs> I don't think there's a C sharp 2 and a C sharp 1 but maybe there is I don't know <laughs> I think it's a lot of Microsoft coming up with new frameworks so are you then going to be doing .NET stuff? Uh, I, I don't know <laughs> at the moment so I'm just I'm just getting my head around the language itself and then I'll find out if I'm going into the depths of Microsoft's world <laughs> So the thing, it sounds like what we need to find for you now is like a little mini
1: project, something to actually build, because it's one of the big, the big, the things that's helped me most when picking up new things, which we've talked about on the show many times, and I think it's just a general truism of development, is it's much help, more helpful to build something real, even if it's very small, very condensed, but to actually have an, an end goal that is achievable, a little objective, something you can work towards, and then when you... Uh, so as you're coming through working out a new language or a new framework or whatever it may be, you're asking specific questions, which I think
0: is the most important thing. And a little project really helps with that. Yeah, I think. And maybe like I did for my C++ thing, maybe taking a project that I've already built and building it, but not maybe not looking directly at the code I wrote before, but thinking, how can I do this in the C Sharp way of doing this, for example? But... I I only know the syntax, so I'm not at a point where I know. I don't know the build process for a C# project. So that's kind of getting in my way a bit. Mm. Maybe I need to go and ask someone or just say, where, where could I find out about this? Do you have any good suggestions?
1: Yeah, knowing where to look and knowing what to Google is often as important as anything else. Um, in terms of like a little project, though, and you're talking about not knowing necessarily the right ways to approach things, it could be useful to have just run into some problems the things that you're... There's bound to be some things that confuse you straight away, moving from one paradigm to another. So do things the way that you would just instinctively do them and see what breaks. Don't necessarily come up with... Like, spend loads of time looking at specific solutions for those, but just learn where the edges are. Learn what goes bang when you try and run the stuff that you expect to run. So then when you come to do some pair programming, you're not just blind... You're like That process of butting up against the edges and finding all the problems is going to happen at some point. And if you can get that out of the way early and in a controlled environment, you're not wasting your time pairing with someone doing all the stupid stuff because you know what the stupid stuff is and you can spend that time trying to find the answers. I mean, you'll find new stupid things to do <laughs> in that scenario. But, always, yeah, always. The, the more uh, the more of the little knucklehead stuff that you can get out of the way, the,
0: get that out of the way early, the earlier the better. Yeah, I guess similar to, like I was saying, getting that the basic syntax in your head so that you're not asking about that Yeah. And use, yeah. Using the time most wisely. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Another thing I tried to do when I was learning C++ was use exorcism. Yeah. I've talked about that before. Exorcism.io where you get like a mentor, but I got, (laughs) I did the, like the first task, which just sets everything up fine. Second one was fine. And then the third one, I couldn't even get it to run. So I kind of the barrier was so big, like the jump seemed so big and the barrier seemed so big that I'm dealing with all these classes and namespaces and things like that, that. I didn't really know what they were. I kind of that that I got stuck there and I probably shouldn't have. I probably have actually kind of researched that a bit more. So it's probably a mistake I've made on my part. Yeah. Oh, this is here. I am laying my heart out on the no, pop- there. rubber ducking. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, So maybe I should go back and actually uh, do something about that. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know what you're going to do when we finish recording. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any like general tips for when I am learning this language instead of like once I've done my code academy and I'm trying to come up with trying to work on this project? what sort of things would you advise I'd be careful on? Because you've learnt PHP and you've learnt JavaScript and you probably know a myriad other languages.
1: Well, this is what I, something I've put in the show notes, is a, Tom's disclaimer with a little exclamation <laughs> emoji, is that I don't have much experience of work actually doing productive work in different languages. I've switched frameworks quite a lot of times within JavaScript and I've um, changed from just like different paradigms, like moved from you know, procedural to functional and classical and blah, blah, blah. Do lots of different, tried lots of different things and worked in different ways and picked up different tools as well and learned things like um, like D3 or React and all these different either frameworks or libraries that have a, have a learning curve. But it's never, I mean, apart from that initial, like, I do not like PHP, so I'm going to do JavaScript instead. <laughs> when i did that i didn't know php already i didn't re- i knew enough php to make websites and to be paid but not enough to consider my to think of myself as like a, i wasn't a php engineer i was like just banging on the keyboard and hoping it would work and i was mostly a front-end engineer in that scenario and was looking at i could i could do views i could do like layouts i couldn't do business logic in php particularly well um which have now have mastered in JavaScript now. So coming, if I was changing languages today to something else, I'd have a much better time of it because I would know to recognize the things that are going to stay the same, so that the, like the abstract concepts that are going to be consistent between the different languages, because there's there is a lot of crossover, generally speaking. There's only so many ways to tell a computer to do something. And I'd also learn to recognize the things that are going to be different and see those
0: differences early and be able to adapt to them. Similar to what we were saying about when I was doing my Python project in C++, you're finding that's like a way of finding out what's different, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So I could do that first translation, whereas switching
1: from PHP, I'd only ever really fumbled... Um, so I was learning how to do things properly for the first time. It wasn't, I was trying to, I already knew the concepts of doing something right and then learning it in a different paradigm. I didn't really have that experience. I do now switch, yeah, switching frameworks has been quite um, a similar, similar process where you're trying to do the same thing. But I think the degree of switch, like the amount of change is much less than that that you're having to go through, uh, work with genuinely like completely different languages. Because um, it... Is Python even C-like? I don't know. Well,
0: it, it's built on C, I think. So, I, but I don't know. I don't think it's C-like in the way that you write it. No. Yeah, not it's, like the stuff that you'd you'd put on an Arduino or something. It's, no, it's very uh, very Pythonic, they say. <laughs> so there, it sounds like you, there are lots of things you can kind of skip out when you're learning a new language. There's lots of like you, we, hopefully, hopefully me as well, um, like understand that that we come back to it time and time again. But that's because they are fundamentals, the fundamentals of uh, programming. You you understand that. So it's just a lot of it is just understanding the syntax or like understanding those sections of the languages that are slightly different. What I get worried about is that I'm going to start writing. I I probably will do this, but I'll start writing C sharp in like a Pythonic way because that's just the way I've I've learned initially and i think that will be the hardest thing to kind of break out of not necessarily just writing c sharp for itself but writing it in a way that is not pythonic
1: i think there's a valid concern it's something i could see why you would you would be worried about it but i don't think it should be as high up your list of worries as it sounds like it might be because i think if the co- if you're writing code and you get a result and something works when you're learning something that is a win in itself and it doesn't matter whether you got there in a Pythonic way or whether you've done something according to the best principles of the language that you're using like step one is get results and then particularly if you're in an environment where you're work, you're pairing with more experienced developers you're going to be shown like you will note people will notice when you write things that are inefficient or are not the way that they want them um, and you'll probably have to you know, there will be a style guide to conform to no, no doubt and there will be certain things that will like the natural evolution of the process will point out the bits that you're doing that are overly pythonic and it's a sort of self-correcting system. I don't think you need to worry about that too much. I think I've found I've, I've often got in a lot of not in, not in trouble, but I've spent I've sort of wasted time trying to make sure I'm doing something the absolute right way that it can be done. When in fact, all that needs to happen to get to the next step is for it to work and be done to any level. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, yeah, perfect is the enemy of, of done in quite a lot of scenarios. Yeah, make it, what is it make it work, make it right, make it fast in that order. Um, yeah, some people say switch fast and right, <laughs> make it work, make it quick, make it good. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's make the first in all which whichever way you spin it, work is the first
0: one. Make make it work, um, yeah, and then you can improve. That's good advice, and it's something I always think. I just think I'm just going to write loads of stuff until it actually works, and then I'll think about refactoring it and making it look not like spaghetti code all over the place.
1: Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> and refactoring is oh, it's a pleasure when you get it right and when you actually have enough time to come back and do it. Often things don't get refactored, but when you're learning, it's fine. Like Make a project, make it in the worst way possible, but get a result, have learned something, you can throw it in the bin, move on. You never need to look at that project again if it's a learning exercise. Um, I think that's another... Side another benefit of keeping your learning projects reasonably condensed, like in scope, so that you then can every time you come up with a new idea and you can just discard everything and start from scratch without having to like rebuild
0: an entire architecture. Does that also get you used to the uh, spending hours and hours on a piece of code and then it doesn't even get used? <laughs> Which
1: <laughs> that doesn't happen as often as <laughs> as people worry about. I think, and one of the one of the best, the most productive days you can have is deleting code as well like making things simpler and cleaner and more efficient yeah. lines of code do not equal quality
0: it's <laughs> well if you're listening to all this and you're thinking when should i change to my second language or when should i learn another language go back and listen to episode 11 if you haven't already um where we talk about when you should be changing to a second language because that's also kind of a valid concern as well at what point do you start learning a new language I, i'm learning kind of, this probably will be my second big language, even though I'm doing some kind of JavaScript-y stuff. Yeah, knowing when to switch is useful, and
1: also knowing uh, what, like, how much to dedicate to it, because you're in a scenario where you are going to have to be using this language for real pretty quick, so you need to go all in on learning this thing. But sometimes it might be nice to just take a weekend and learn Haskell or have a go at Rust, just to experience a different flavour. You don't even have to achieve anything in that scenario, you don't have to master the language, just get experience of switching paradigms like looking at something in a different language and learning the similarities and the differences even at a very basic level is really useful and I think that's a, a valuable uh, bit of information to have in your in your arsenal when you're like, yeah. approaching new things so that when you then come to some a scenario like now where you
0: have to you have to learn the language, you've got a lot more information and experience to draw upon. Yeah. And something I've been thinking about over the last um, week or so that I've been at work is just what comes up time and time again, it seems, even though I'm not doing that much, um, is just being really adaptable and being able to use different tools and being able to choose the right tool for the job. I don't think you should get so specific about which OS you love the most or which language you love the most. It's using the right tools for the job that you're doing. And it does. It, the rest doesn't really matter. You're completely right, and that even applies to things like text editors and what browser
1: you use. At Every level of the stack, the more locked in you get to one particular way of doing things, the more likely you are to struggle when just someone moves your cheese and one thing changes, and that's going to have problems. But if you're used to continually switching contexts and like yeah, switch your edit, switch your switch your text editor every every month, try a different one out. I try and do that with browsers, um, so that I'm not. Yeah, well, it's better for for testing and writing code that works everywhere, but also you just you get into patterns and you get muscle memory that needs to be broken sometimes.
0: Yeah, but having said that, I think there's some things that are probably useful to that you get to know really well. Like I would say a text editor is something that you should just stick with one text editor, but a text editor that's going to be available all over the place. So I would obviously say VI, Vim, um, but something like Emacs or something like that so that if you have to SSH into a terminal or something like that, um, then you are able to use that and you're familiar with it because the more you use, say, something like Vim, the quicker you get with it, the more you learn, it, the knowledge builds on top of each other. I think, yes, I agree with changing browsers, changing languages and things like that, but I guess, in a way, like your text editor is your your tool, isn't it? Your one tool to access all this stuff. So maybe that's the one, one thing that should stay the same.
1: Uh, you make a compelling argument. It does make me think maybe, oh, maybe this month I'll try Vim. <laughs> but... I think in in general, that emphasises the the overall point, which is don't get too specific because you might have to like, you might have to shell into another machine somewhere, and if you suddenly your terminal experience is completely reliant on a whole load of aliases and shortcuts, and then suddenly you've, you're just left with the vanilla basics that you get on every on every Linux box, then you're going to struggle, um, uh, maybe not
0: struggle, but you're going to have a little bit of dissonance um, trying to get something done. So I think that's a good kind of – there's a lot of takeaways from that in terms of when you are learning a new language. There are things that I do, there's things that you would do if uh, – maybe I shouldn't have asked this question now that i found out that the <laughs> – I'm going to say it, that bombshell. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think
1: well, – Oh, the bombshell of me not having switched languages too much. Yeah. Well, I think I, I want to acknowledge that, but also say that the context switching I have done in numerous occasions it does lead i think it does provide lots of useful insights yeah, I was only teasing, don't worry. No, I know, I know. But I, <laughs> I just, you know, get that out there that I'm not, I've am not. not said all this. It's not like, that, oh, I don't know anything. But it's like, oh, I do know some things, but just within a limited context. So my takeaway
0: is I'm going to go and build a small project that I've built before in a different language, but using the new language. And not looking at the code that you wrote before. Just taking And not looking at yeah, it.
1: So yeah. you're, concentrating, you're not concentrating on what you're saying. You're just concentrating on how you're saying it. Yeah, and I'm also going to go back to exorcism and persistence is key. Keep trying at that. Yeah, and it sounds like you've got maybe a better idea of of what to Google. And that's another very, very tiny last little snippet is never be ashamed of Googling something. Um, If you're working in five different languages in one day, you're going to need to Google the different syntaxes sometimes. It's inevitable. Don't don't worry about it. Lean into it.
0: As far as I've seen so far and as far as I've heard, every developer all the time is Googling. (laughs) So, yeah, it's something that is very common practice and you don't need to be ashamed of. Well,
1: now you're in uh, ASP... World and everything's everything's C sharp and .net. Maybe you'll be binging things. Oh,
0: it took me a while to. I yeah, you did e- sort of. <laughs> I thought that was some sort of uh, technique to no, no. start binging. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I no. don't think I'll use Bing. <laughs> Go would be my uh, second choice. Your blank your, your blank stare
1: made the joke even funnier. like <laughs> brilliant. <laughs>
0: Anyway. Um, Ha-ha, <laughs> uh, Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're telling your friends about the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at code, And you can find us online at aqoc.dev
1: or aquestionofcode.com. Um, and if you've changed language and you found some fantastic tips and we just completely forgot to say them, let us know on all these channels. We're always grateful for any and all feedback. Well, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye you. Mm-hmm.